I ask you anoint every heart, anoint, anoint every, put the weight of your spirit upon every soul. To many see heartless, they are to see her. Thank you, our Lord Jesus. Bless your name. Pray tonight, bring leading in the word, in the scriptures. Strengthen our hands and our heart to do warfare, to break through the limitations, the garrisons of the enemy, to take the spoils in the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Lord and our King. We give all the honor to your holy name. Lord, help my heart, break my heart, melt my heart, crumble my heart. Open it and take it and use it, Lord, as your own. Lord, today, let us arrive at holy ministry to pick up holy things, to see them, to fetch language and, Lord, the utterance to speak of your holiness. Thank you, our Lord. We give all the praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Thank you. Glory to God. Come to waters, come to the waters, come into the waters, come into the waters, come into the waters, keep coming, come to these waters, let it carry you, come to the waters, come to the waters, come, 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 for the water is flowing, it is flowing to you, it is flowing to you, it is coming to carry you, it is coming to carry you, so allow it, allow it, allow it to carry you be submerged and be baptized in this water yield yield 
to this water for it is carrying you for in the water there is life there is life there is life for the water is life the water has life in water carries life the life of the throne it is flowing from the throne it is flowing from the throne it is flowing from him who is light and there is no variableness or darkness in him so come allow the water flow to the water yield to the water for in it is life in it you will find life in it you will find more abundant life in it you will find a great and mighty light you will find life life for this water this water it is my water it is my water and I want this same water in men I want to see men and see water and see my life and see my life so 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 into this water so into this water die in this water that you may live die in the water that you may live surrender surrender for my water the fountain the fountain of life the fountain of life the fountain it is a great fountain it is a great fountain it is a great fountain it is that great fountain with Emmanuel's blood in it with Emmanuel's blood drawn from it it is in the fountain come to this fountain yield to this fountain be submerged in this fountain stay in the waters and you will find life you would inherit life and you will be rewarded with life stay in the waters it's Emmanuel's blood thank you Lord Jesus Amen glory to God thank you Father bless you Come to enter. Come to enter. I've come to make you to enter. For in the posh devantin also pray to enter. Enter for the great door. The great door of life abundance is opened. Even life everlasting is open. It is open. It is open. Come and enter. Come and enter. Come and enter. For I want to reason with you. I want to come to reason with you. 
to reason with you, to reason, to reason that I will make you whiter. I would make you pure. Come and enter. Come and enter. Come and enter the realm of me. Come and enter the realm of I am. Come and enter. Enter that realm. It is open. It is open. It is open. It is open. For you all to keep, to keep, to keep, to keep your gaze on the right to the way. Keep, keep your gaze on the way. Keep your gaze on the way. Keep your gaze on the way. For it is even I, Jesus. For I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I've been open to you. I've been open to you. For he poured out the spirit without measure unto me. I'm come to pour, to pour the spirit without measure unto you. That you may enter. That you may come into me. That you may come into me. For I come in my declaration. I come to declare the Father. I come, I come to declare God. To declare God. To come to declare God. That you may enter in. That you may enter in. I come to declare to declare my father hallelujah praise Jesus thank you glory to God amen um, let's see first John chapter chapter 2 Hallelujah. First John 2, let's read from verse, uh, verse 4. It says that he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is what? Is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Hallelujah. Amen. He that said, I know him and keepeth not his commandment is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, whereby, hereby we know we that we are in him. Hallelujah. Amen. So, praise God. And he that said he abided in him ought himself to also to walk even as he walked. Glory to Jesus. Um, let's see chapter Verse 10 said, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. And whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loveth not his brother. 
For this is the message that he had from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? What means why did he slay him? Because his own works were what? Were evil and his brothers righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we do what? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abide death where? In death. And whosoever hated his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer had eternal life. What? Abiding. Uh, but hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our own word, life for his brethren. Praise God. But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed, and in word, truth. That hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts be for him. Glory to Jesus. So, um, if, if you go back to verse 11, verse 11 said that this is the message that you heard from, you heard from the beginning, that we should love what? one another. So, it's the, the message, when it says, from the beginning. From the beginning means um, the... This is the, the message. When you use the word message here, message is not just um, is not just a preaching in the sense of a someone's what someone says. Like I said, message is deeper. Message is talking about something that is born by an entity. Amen. Amen. Something that is what is born by you can see it, you can study it, you can you can actually receive it, but it's more than just information. Message is more than just information. It's speaking about a kind of thing. It's it's a seats it, it's an embodied doctrine. Right within a person. Glory to Jesus. And the same meaning of this message is what Isaiah 28 is talking about, what Isaiah 28 calls doctrine. Right? Some translation translate that doctrine as message. It's the same thing. Message just means that which a messenger carries, as opposed to just an inanimate information which you can get. 
An inanimate information is, is not a message. A message is born by a messenger. And the way you bear message in the spirit is through a sort of embodiment of that kind of message. Praise God. So there is what you call the message of the beginning, or you can call it from, he calls it here from the beginning. That we, let us see it. This is a message that ye, ye heard from the beginning, that we should do what? Love one another. We should love one another. So what he calls, when he says one another, praise God, um, is speaking about a particular kind of love which you find in the beginning. In the beginning is a love for one another. Right? Praise God, but there is a kind of a graduation that makes you arrive at that point where you learn to love one another, right? There's a kind of love that makes you graduate. It's clear that this point of the beginning um, is a point of passage, let's call it, or is where you, when you pass into, there's a passage into the beginning, which is what they refer to as um, verse, four, verse 14. Let's see if you put 13 and 14 together. He's speaking about a season where the soul will move beyond the seduction of the world. When you move beyond the seduction of the world, is overcoming the seduction of the world produces your, the soul passing from one state into another state or passing from one place into another place. Praise God. Hallelujah. So verse 13 says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you, we know that we have passed from death unto what? Life, because we do what? We love the brethren. And he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So what he calls loving of the brethren is a type of love of passage. That without this love, anybody who do, does not accept this kind of love will not pass from what he calls death unto life. What he calls death here is a state of where the world still, ha where is it is a state of being alive to the world, right? Is alive the way the Bible calls it, friendship with the world, enmity against God. And that word for friendship to the world means alive to the world. When you are alive to the world, it produces deadness towards God, right? And if you want to make you alive towards God. They make you dead towards the world. Right? So, friendship with the world, when you say you are a friend of the world, means to be a friend means you, you, still, you are still concerned with the world's feeling about you. That's what actually makes, that's what friendship is. Friendship, it talks about you, have, you still have a concern about 
the law, the world's idea of you, the world's thought of you, the world's the way the world. How do you? How is your kind of life? How is it defined relative to the world? How is it seen? Is it frowned upon? Is it embraced? Are you welcome to the world? You understand when you are still alive to that. Is you are, means you are you are maintaining a kind of friendship, or you still have a door of friendship open with the world. So it means you are still concerned with the world's opinion of you. It's because of there's something about the world that still pulls the soul. Praise God. So that when such a thing is still in the heart, it's an enmity against God. God will say, if you are concerned about the world, I can't trust you. Right? I can't trust you that if I bring you closer, you won't take some of my things and turn for an appeal towards the world. Do you see that? So there is an overcoming. There is first, the first thing that you must overcome is the world. Do you get that? That's the first thing. And every Christian, God desires for every Christian to overcome the world. It's actually in your destiny. It's actually in the destiny of every human being to overcome the world. Not everybody will fulfill it, but it's a, it's a destiny. Praise Jesus. Because the world is a play. Friendship with the world is a fall. That's what, if you want to summarize, what is falling? When man fell, he fell from a place into a lower estate. He fell into a lower friendship or a lower fellowship. Praise God. Amen. That's why God cannot trust it. But if you, if you are able to, to, to move on from severe every, and every instinct of friendship with the world, to be able to severe every instinct of friendship, what happens? That act, that state in the soul, grants the soul a passage, right, into a state of a new awareness, or is a new, what he calls it, life, right? So you are passed from death onto life. Amen. So, from when it respect to God, the, the point where the soul passes from death to life is the place where when they, are, they check life towards the world, is dead. Do you see that? So you, so you can see something very particular about God, that God does not come if you still entertain conversations of the world. You now see that what makes God invisible, um, a little bit not visible, not far away, or what, what makes God, the word is veiled, what makes God veiled from a man is friendship, is channels of communication, lines of diplomatic channels. When you have diplomatic channels with the world, Right? Sometimes that manifests in, among nations. One nation would say, as long as you have diplomatic ties with that other nation, I can't talk to you. 
Because I, I don't have a trust that you won't, if I give you my secret, that you're not going to be sharing my secrets with the other. You get what I'm saying? So some, other, some nations, if you have a bigger nation here, you have one nation. Maybe you have two big nations. You have a smaller nation. Right? If he wants to become, to have diplomatic ties with one nation, he has to severe it with the other one. So if you are going close to these other guys, amen, then, you know, we just can't trust you. And we find that there are, there are nations, like a lot of nations in the West, for example, um, they have a certain, um, they have their ideologies, which they exalt above uh, things like capitalism, democracy, those are things of the West, which those are hills where the, world, the West has said, we are going to die on this, in this place. In fact, this is how we validate your, your, your well, um, your, your good. <laughs> uh -huh. Amen. How we approve, what we, how we approve you in as, as a nation is if you are, you are in alignment with these principles. And then you find some smaller nations who are in between because of their state. They're looking for who to align with. And then the West can, can be like, okay, we want to pull you closer, but we have to be careful about these other guys who have opposite ideology to what we have. Amen. Amen. There is a mini cold war going on right now between the West and China, right? China aligned, aligned with Russia and those guys who, have, who still entertain communist ideologies which is contrary to the ideologies of the West. And then when you have, you have, there are some nations in South, Central America who are not really, you know, they, uh, uh, praise God. Hallelujah. The, okay, let's, and a good example is Ukraine. You know, part of this Ukraine war was the Ukraine war is really about a war of alliance, the Russia and the East and the West. They don't want to, they want to both want to have Ukraine because Ukraine is in between alliances. Amen. Amen. And so you see, if the West is helping Ukraine, they will be doing that based on conditions. Right? You can't accept something from you can't surrender to the to the East. You can't surrender to Russia. Right? Because what they believe in, we don't believe in. They are loggerheads with what we believe in. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's like that in the spirit also. Uh, praise God. So when God, God stays in a place and it's not as if he's, it seems as if he's not showing himself. He's not, you say, I'm a Christian. Why is it that you seem far from me? All right, I'm born again, everything. I go to church. Why is it that you still seem far from me? is that God has things that are valuable, right? That it will give you a condition that you have to, you have to do what? You have to deny the world. First, if you've not broken your, your ties to the world, then you will not be alive towards me. Uh, you won't be alive, you will not be alive. So that will tell you that being able to overcome the world is a very, very powerful thing. Yes. Because there are things in, you, in your soul which you don't know about, 
which will come alive the moment you are able to fully overcome the world. You have their, their faculty, and there are faculties within the soul that have been designed to respond to God and God alone, but they will just keep them shut down, dormant. Sometimes, even when you are listening to a message about God, it will, those, that message will just brood around in your heart. It can even come into the mind. You might understand it literally, but it will not be activating the right faculties on the inside of you that's meant to have the depth of encounter with that word. Why? Because they wouldn't permit it for that season. They'll say there's a measure of, of overcoming of the world. Right? There are things about the appeal that this world has that needs to be shut down within the soul. So that they say that if these things are still alive, we can't at the same time quicken other things, right? Yes, it's to, it's to save you so that there are some things that are too holy so that you will not merchandise them, so you won't sell them. If you take a worldly person and bring them into the most holy and begin to show them things about God, it's possible that they can be turn those things for gain, right? And begin to use those things because what will happen is that the world in them will begin to tutor and teach them that the way you handle worldly things, you can also use most holy things for that. You see someone who's used to shining with, with vain glory, which is worldly, if you expose the glory of God to such a person, they can try to use the glory of God for shining. The way they use vain, they shine with vain glory. Are you getting what I'm saying? The soul can begin to, can begin to transact with the, the mystery of God and use it for a transaction of gain. That ought not to be so. Praise God. If the world has not been dealt with, the world must be dealt with. Praise God. The world must be overcome. So when we, when we pass from death, so there is a program that they used to test passage from death unto life is a requirement in the spirit, which is the requirement of loving what? The brethren. He said that, no, you know that we have passed from death unto life because we do what? Because we love. So loving of the brethren is, um, is a kind of a, an attitude which continues into the most holy place. Do you see that? It's an attitude that does what? That continues into the most holy. It means every person who will appear in the most holy will appear with the love of the brethren inside their heart. That capacity for that love would have been what? Generated. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And it says, He that loveth not his brother abideth where? In in death. You see, so you see, if you don't have it, you are abiding in death. Right? That abiding in death means where you are, the realm where you are still staying is the realm of death towards God. Right? Are you seeing all this language here? These are scriptural language. They're not saying 
If you are not born again, you are in debt. These ones have been born again since they've been they are spiritual. But somebody who is spiritual can be abiding in death when it comes to God. Right? God's life is unique. God's life, the, the fellowship of his life, the communion of his life, the thoughts and the ways of his life. His own, God has his own version of spirituality called spirit. That is a different experience entirely for a soul. And a soul who is spiritual can be dead towards that. Right? For you to be, come alive, there has to be what? A kind of what? A kind of passage. Glory to Jesus. Then, now, he now says that whosoever hated his brother. Now, hating your brother is not the same thing as not loving your brother. Right? Someone, for you to, to be honest, hate is a powerful word. Right? Hate is talking about, it's the same it's the same kind, it is, it is of the same pedigree. Hate is of the same pedigree as love. Right? One thing you cannot do, both of them require strength. Right? You need strength to love. You also need strength to hate. Right? Hatred is not the same thing as indifference. Which is indifference is a place where we all we all coming from. When you say, love your brother, which brother? What's this brother for? I have other things to do. I have my own life. I have my own things. You get what I'm saying? Somebody who is like that can be spiritual, but can be in a sense. You can be spiritual at a level, but when it comes to the way you ought to love your brother, you don't, you're, what's the business? I have no business with that. I have other things to do. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. Why, why are you bringing all these things? You get what I'm saying? Praise God. So somebody can be like that. That is indifference. You don't, it means that you are blind concerning your brother. You don't know who your brother is. You, are, you don't even know anything about that commandment. That's not hatred. Do you see that? Such a person... Someone who is still learning and going through the school of sanctification does not have the ability to hate their brother. Doesn't have the capacity because what it takes to hate is, is the most holy strength. Do you see that? What it takes to do what? To hate is what? Is most holy strength. The same thing. Love is the most holy strength. Love in pure terms, in real terms. For example, when Jesus came in Hebrews chapter 1, right? Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Right? Amen. Amen. For thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. This was the qualification for Jesus sitting on the throne. Therefore, even God our God has anointed thee above what? With the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Do you see that? So 
love, this is what Jesus, when God saw Jesus, this is what he saw in him. And I told him, it's time to sit on my throne. Because of this thing. It means that this thing is not a small thing. So you can find somebody who does righteousness at a level, but does not yet love righteousness. In God's sight, we're talking about God in God, because right now it's God who is speaking. So it's possible that someone can, among his fellows, among his, um, your peers who are joining with you in the spirit, you are renowned for loving righteousness. You say, this person, you love it too much. You love everything righteous. Everything about you is just righteous. You just love righteousness. So someone, you can appear that way to somebody. To who, let's say one priest can be saying to another priest, thou lovest righteousness. You just love righteousness. Everything about you is righteous. Even me, I don't love righteousness like you. So it depends on who is talking, right? Then when you get to the presence of God, because when you are appearing in God's presence, you are appearing before an eyes. God has his eye. It's different. How he sees is the eye of the judge of all. That word is, anytime he's judging, he, he takes into consideration all. Right? That is, he judges, every time he's judging, it's based on all. No other person can judge based on all. Everybody else judges at a level. It means they will have other things they are not seeing or they are not considering. But God himself is different. Right? He has, he's equipped to judge among gods who sits in the congregation of the mighty and judges among the gods. So when you come before such a being, he, he, in his presence are the, the, the all yardsticks, all the measurement of all. He uses, God uses all for everything. If you're not ready for all business, don't come near him. When, you, when you're ready for all, if you're ready to be spiritual in a way, you will still be far. But when you have gotten to a point where you're le- you want to be a spirit all through, all through, then you are now beginning to get ready for that. It's like a higher standard. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Is that God is a higher exam in the spirit. So in, in God's presence, God, the, the realm of God, what you call God's own realm, is actually called love realm or love world. That's why they, they speak about that you should be holy and then what? Blameless before what? Him in love. So when you are, when you are before him, you are in love. Do you see that? Why do they say in love? Before him, if you have not gotten to before him, you are not yet in love. You are not yet really what? In love. Right? Because God is love. God is love. And he that loveth not, knoweth not God. Because what? God is love. When they say God is love, they are speaking about Love, not love that a man has. Yeah. 
talking about love in his absolute term. There is something called love in the spirit. And that is what God is. Do you see that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus, when God was the one judging Jesus, looking at him, using his all mind to judge him, what God was saying was that this man has done righteousness into love. And he found out that this man has loved God will never say you love righteousness if, you've never, if you haven't loved everything about righteousness. Are you seeing that? That's what that word means. It doesn't mean, Jesus, you feel a certain way about righteousness. When you say righteousness, you get happy. It's more than that. He's talking about everything that is righteousness. You are, you've actually loved everything. Do you see that? You now see it's very clear that it takes strength. There is a kind of strength which it takes, which is a strength that most holy, the most holy imparts. The strength of the most holy is to, for, to make the soul fulfill the love of righteousness. But it's a dual program. It teaches you impart love and impart hate. Do you see that? That is the, the mark of, of love of all, is that you can't separate it from hate. Right? If you are loving the way God wants you to love, at the same time you will be hating something. Do you see that? You can't, at that level, in the most holy, you cannot love without hating. You actually cannot love. Is that when you love, you will hate everything that is not of that thing which you love. Do you see that? So is, is there, you now see then that the same strength which you are using to love is the same strength which you are using to hate. That if you did not learn love at that level, you will not have the strength to hate iniquity. If Jesus didn't love righteousness at that level, he wouldn't have the strength to do what? To hate iniquity. It's the same strength that's fueling love, that is fueling the hatred for what? Iniquity. And that strength is not ordinary. The hatred for iniquity, you can't will it. Something more, it takes dealings of the heart, right, to make, bring a soul to this place of hating iniquity. So the, the enemy of God, Satan, has his own love and has his own hate. Do you see that? So the way his hate, the kind of hate he has, what they call, he hated his word, Brother, so let's quickly go back to verse 15 of First um, John 3. It says that whosoever hated his brother, right? So if you are hating your brother in a place where you should be loving your brother, right? Do you see that? It means that for you to be hating your brother, you have actually, you, have, you, are, you hate your brother in a particular zone, 
this hatred cannot, can never be done in ignorance. For you to hate something, you must know what it is. If you don't know what it is, you don't have feelings towards it. Do you have a feeling towards something you don't know? No. When you develop feeling, so one thing that knowledge does, knowledge is, is an, has the ability to create what a kind of, I'm using the word feeling, but it's not really feeling, is a kind, is able to, not is able to call for the heart to make a decision. Right? When you're bringing knowledge of something to, towards the heart, it beckons on the heart to, okay, what is your, what side do you take concerning this thing? Do you see them? So, this strength, this hating, when they call, what they call is a murderer. A murderer here is not speaking about someone who is a spiritual person, but is failing in their spirituality. A murderer is somebody who has, the divine life has been opened to them. The program of God's life has been opened to them. And then when they begin to unveil the code of brotherhood, they can begin to hate that brotherhood. Right? And they gave us an example of such a person, which was Cain, verse 12. It says that not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew him, because his own works were evil, and his word, brothers righteous. Right? So it's because of the brother's works were righteous. It's clear then that Abel was a lover of righteousness. Right? Abel was what? A brother of a lover of righteousness. Cain initially was a lover of righteousness. They didn't tell us that Cain was born bad. It wasn't from, you think it was from the womb that Cain, no? It wasn't, the Bible tells us the story. Sin was lying at his door. Right? Praise God. Something was just at the door of his heart, speaking to him, speaking to him, talking to him, convincing him. Amen. Against, so it's very clear then that you can, somebody can have access to the presence of God, right? And scene, the scene here is the, um, it's almost like an embodiment, it's really Satan, right? Scene speaks about the, 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 the dwelling. Scene is the animated life of Satan that is in the heart. Right? When you hear the word sin as a singular word, not sins. Sins are different. Sins range. Sins are lying is sin, backbiting is sin. Every kind of they are sins. Usually they say plural because there are many. But when they, when they say, imagine, can you see how they are, they're all seen here? Do you see that? Sin, singular, is, a, is like a person, it's one thing. Right when the Lord was speaking to him about and said sin, he knew who the Lord was talking about. Is actually an, an entity that was staying in his heart that has a world of conversation. 
I was making arguments against him. While the presence of God was there, sin was also there. Do you see that? So you can now see clearly that this scene here is not the world. At this time, we've not really seen the world yet. All we see at this time is the raw manifestation of what Adam and Eve brought into the world. They call it sin, not sins. But they didn't say by one man disobedient, it sins enter into the world. It's sin, sin. Right? Wherefore, by one, one man, sin entered into the world. And what? Death by sin. And so what? Death passed upon what? All men, for that all have what? So it's clear that this sin that all have sinned are not sins. That all have sinned. Sin. Right? Not sins. They, are, they have sinned what? By, what do you mean by sinning sin? Means they have something has given sin access to all men. When sin begins to talk to men, that's when they start sinning. Are you seeing that? When sin begins to talk to a person like Cain, when sin spoke to him, he started sinning. Do you so? So it's clear that this sin. Praise God. Is a sin is a is a portal, right? Sin, or I'll call it sin, is a mother, right? What I say, sin is sin is a mother that brings forth death, right? That gives birth to death. Praise God. Amen. Right in First Corinthians 15, it said that when when desire is conceived, and then what happened? It bringeth forth. Sorry, when lost, sorry, lost or desire, same thing. When lost has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when when it fin- when it is finished. So, sin, what desire actually? When lost conceives, right? Lost conceive and bring forth sin, right? Then this sin is not talking about a particular sin, no. Sin is this same sin, is the same sin from the beginning. That's why lost, you must be careful with lost because lost can bring forth sin. Every single, every tiny lost you have can bring forth sin. Lost is like a womb, a birth canal. It doesn't matter. It can be a baby Christian. Once you have lost, that birth canal will just appear. Sin will just come out. And then when sin has appeared, it will begin to do things. So from when sin shows up to when sin finishes can be a long time. It can be decades in a soul. Right? It can be what? It can be dead. And once sin has come, you, you, you can't, it's hard to push sin back to where it came from. 
Because sin has many, many, many birth canals. If you push it back here, it comes out from the other side. Because it's as, as, as many as the lost in a man, so are the birth canals of sin. Sin will come out from anywhere. You get what I'm saying? That's why sin will stay with his soul. Right from when a soul conceives its first lust, sin comes, and sin will never go again until what will happen? Something needs to happen to finally deal with sin. You understand? Sin will stay there. The person will move into the court. Sin will still be there. Move into the what? Holy place. Sanctification will happen. Sin will still be there. When sanctification happens, sanctification can remove all the sins that sin brought. You, sanctification cannot take away sin. It can remove sins. Sin can only be dealt with in the most holy place. Do you see that? So it's clear that what is this thing, and this is what Adam brought, his disobedience. It, it unleashed a monster, right? That a monster that it, sin was conceived and brought in the presence of God. Sin came, right? In the presence of God. And every soul in whom sin has passed, has, has manifested in their life, can never deal with that sin. You can't send sin back to where it came from unless you come back to the presence of God. Do you see that? Only in the presence of God can what, can what this S-I-N singular can it be dealt with. And as long as sin is still present, someone can sin. Right? Because sin will not be stationary. Do you see that? So you can see that. What is sanctification then? Sanctification is not the removal of the unclean thing. It is the teaching you not to touch them. Are you seeing that? Why you can so you, when you, a sanctified soul has the unclean thing staring at him, it's right there. But they can you can wash his hands of it, and then train him not to touch it. But you you you've not finished helping the soul. That unclean thing is there. Now tell me, at the end of when sanctification is completely done, it's clear to you now the unclean thing is sin, right? So these are not unclean things. It's called the young. It's talking about one particular thing that they must teach them not to touch. Do you see that? It's talking about. It's not talking about sins. It's talking about the unclean thing, right? So this sanctification will not remove the unclean thing away. It's just is a, a schooling, a training of the soul not to touch the unclean thing. But the unclean thing is still there. Tell me where is the unclean thing after his soul has been sanctified? Where does it stay? By the door of the heart. 
Yes. Do you see that? So it means that every person who has been sanctified still has the unclean thing. And if it's right by their door, it means they, they will always be hearing the voice. So sanctification does not heal you from the what? The conversation, the voice, the temptation of the unclean thing in the presence of God. So it's very clear that everybody who comes to the presence of God comes in there with the unclean thing too. Do you see that? It comes in there with sin. Do you see that sin? That thing called sin. That thing called sin is very real. Very present. It's because of that thing called sin. That's why people say nobody can be perfect. It's not because of sins. Let's say sin, you can remove, you remove sin and you left just sins alone. What will happen? Do you know all the manner of men who have been dealing with sins? S-I-N-S. Some guys are so pious. So when is it pious? So like, you know, so in terms of refusing everything they can. But they still find there's something that is present with them. That, and, and this is why, what makes people feel, even Christians a lot of times feel like to be perfect is not possible. It's not really because men, it's not because we feel like we sin too much. It's because even after we have stopped sinning, we know we can still sin. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you, get, do you understand me? You see that thing called sin? Just check, you will see it. It's there. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And don't just check now. Check maybe on your most holy day. You get Your most holy day. When there's nothing outrightly that should make you feel like you are, you know, you need to confess, you have done something bad. No, when a nice day when it was beautiful, awesome, clean, a very clean day, just take a moment and check. You see sin. It's there. And because of the presence of sin, you will not have confidence. You will not have assurance. Anybody who doesn't get to the point with God where sin can be dealt with, that person, will, you will never be delivered from that tendency. Amen. 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 Do you see that? Now, tell me what is really seen. What the sin has two character, two characteristics. Sin has what? Two characteristics. Two main characteristics that sin has. Number one, variableness. Two, shadow of tongue. Right? Those are the characteristics of sin. Two. Like it has its variableness, shadow of turning. Variableness, shadow of turning. 
If you still have those two things, sin has not been dealt with. You see that? So, but somebody, someone can be very, very, live maybe for a whole month. You never did, committed any sin. Do you see that? You never committed any sin. Knowingly or unknowingly, you know that kind of, that level. <laughs> the way we say it. <laughs> Means that there's nothing, let's say you journal your life. Every day for a whole month, you've done everything. There's nothing you can point at and say, this was wrong. Every instruction that came, you obeyed them. Everything that came to you, you obeyed them. You are clean for that month. Do you see that? But if you check in yourself, you know that you have variableness. It doesn't mean you are very, you said very able. Very able. You have the, you have the ability to vary. You understand? Variable. Able. Means that when you check, you are still able. <laughs> you get? And then you have the uh, shadow of turning. Shadow of turning means space to turn. You, in your vessel, they, you, you, there's still a space there to turn. That's how you know that sin still lieth at thy door. Do you see that? And now, so you see that the, another definition for sin means tendency away from the presence. Tendency away from God. When you say shadow of turning, it's talking about turning away from the face, turning away from the presence. The tendency to move away from God's presence. You see that? Amen. So, those are the things that if, you, if a soul has those things in them, God can't really, the real thing that God is really, really keeping is, is eternal life. Right? Because that eternal life is what we call the gift of God. Do you see that? It's what we call what? Eternal life is the what? Is the gift of God as opposed to the wages of sin. <clears throat> the wages of sin. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So wages of sin is, is a type of reward. It is a type of reward. Do you agree? It's a type of reward. No, Satan knows that God, knows that God has reward. He went to make his own reward. So his own type of reward. Right? And you check, what is God's reward? What is the reward? Eternal life. Or the gift of God. Eternal life. So what will be his own wage? Death. Do you see that? Now, this is not the wages of sins. What they are speaking about in this Romans chapter 6. is not just saying that when you, any sin you commit has a wage. No, it's not that. Because this death. Is a particular thing. Right? It's clear that to me, this death is eternal death. If they are putting it beside eternal life, it's what? Eternal death. Right? So, 
Eternal death is a type of reward. When God is sending someone to the lake of fire, is a kind of a, is something that they have, that they have. It's a reward though, but it's not God reward. It's not, in a way, it's God rewarding them, but in a way, it's not. Do you understand what I mean? That's why they use the, the, the word wages. You know, in a sense, right? In a sense, you can almost call eternal life a wage. Do you know why? But it's not really a wage, right? Because, you get what I'm saying? It's not really a wage, but in a sense it is because it comes as a result of a work, right? My reward is with me. Walk before me. Reward. And when someone walks, what do you give to them? You give them a wage. The wage is for their job. Amen. But what it calls the, the wages of sin, right, is the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. That word wages means if you are able to complete sin. So it's clear wages of sin will not come really until that first Corinthians 15. Right? So when lost is conceived, it what? Bring forth sin. Now when sin is finished. That word finish means when you have finished the work. It, it bringeth forth its reward. Or it bringeth forth its word, its wages. Praise God. When it is finished, it bring these wages, these wages, this, this particular one, this eternal death, is, is one thing that Satan has sworn that he wants to give every soul if he can. Satan wants to reward every soul with death. Are you seeing that? Glory to God. So, um, in a way, I'm seeing my heart. I don't know for some time, that's just what I've been saying. It's just maybe, the Lord, just, it's just, the Lord wants to just sell to you the most holy. You understand? To make your to make you buy into the appeal of pursuing the most holy life, of pursuing what is the the the, the gifts, the blessings, the things, the provisions that are in most holy, in most holy life. I know we have to see them. From the, through the scripture and accumulate them, accumulate them until our soul will be, because entrance into the most holy will only be grant, must be granted according to a code. Is a principle, is called, is a principle called abundantly. Right? It's an abundant entrance. Right? It's, an, it's an entrance of are born and of it only happens if some things are in you and abound. So they'll be in you, they must abound. So nobody enters the most holy just like a desically, you know, they brought us here now. You know, we are this is the zone where we are in right now, you know. So what are we going to do? We're just going to learn it, you get. What else am I going to do? You know, <laughs> but, 
You can't. If you have, if you are spiritual, you have that, that disposition, they will tell you, wait. Wait, right? Wait behind the veil. Just wait behind the veil. You don't understand. The, you're not fit for the most holy. It means you still have foolishness. That's the, the foolish virgins. You can be a virgin and foolish. If you're a virgin and you're foolish, you're not ready. You're not worthy of the bridegroom. You know, it's that attitude that made them not collect oil in their vessel. Do you get what I'm saying? When you say oil in vessel, not just oil in your lamp, when you have oil in your vessel, it means you have oil abundantly. So it's for abundant entrance. It's for, it's, abundant entrance means an entrance that is granted because of abundance. And to get abundance is a task in the spirit. To, for you to get, there are some things you can get, but to get them abundantly. Do you get what I'm saying? Because the, the task of gathering abundance tries the soul. Right? There, there is, you only get abundance through due diligence. That's beyond what is normally required. You must have gone the extra mile to prove. Every soul who will come into the presence of God must have proven beyond reasonable doubt that they are worthy of the presence of God. That's why they are, they, are, they are showing you the requirement beyond being a virgin. Do you see that? There's something, you're no longer a virgin, you have heard, you've come into the sanctuary, you've been sanctified, you've been, and all of that. But they will check your oil, they will check you that as then, have you done the, the kind of diligence? What they're telling you is about it, to check, is what they want to check is has your, has your love level arisen, right? Your what? Has your love level arisen to make the veil part for you? Right? As your what? As your love level are reason for you to for them to allow you into the presence of God. For you to come into the presence of God. Has have you gained abundance? So you know you know abundance is hard to teach. Do you get that? You know, they, they, they explain to you these things that should be in you. They don't, say, they don't say, if they abound. They didn't teach you how to make them abound explicitly. <laughs> right? <laughs> so imagine somebody gathering all of them and now asking, okay, how do I abound them? It's, it, abundance comes via a way. It's actually a way of consecration. Is you get what I'm trying? is. About to make those things abound is the adoption of an attitude, which appearance, which dealings, right, based by appearances, glimpses, glory to Jesus, catching glimpses of, of, amen, so that if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall never be barren, nor what on what, fruitful, where in the world. Knowledge. Are you seeing this task of being not of being fruitful? You see that that is the fruitfulness is the final validation of the land. Are you getting me? Fruitfulness is what 
ahead to make to for the fruitfulness to occur many things must be in place there are some almost invisible criteria and if they are not there you check the go and test the soil in the lab everything is present or so the seed they are waiting for it is not still not growing it might not be in the right climatic condition. There's something about the right climatic condition that causes the land to bear the actual fruit, praise Jesus, which it ought to bear in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. What is required for the abundance. So, in your consent, a little just to describe the difference. Between how you can move from sanctification into the presence of God, right? Or to take the leap from Christ into God. And that's what we are speaking about. When Christ has been fully formed, hmm, there's a, the end for, of the formation of Christ, which is the end of the commandment, according to 1 Timothy, is charity out of a pure heart. Right? But now the end of the commandment is what? Charity out of a pure heart and then of a good conscience and of what? Faith on faith. What they call charity here, then they now added something called good conscience, faith on faith. This faith on faith is not the faith that's at the base of charity. There's a faith at the base of charity, which is the faith of, the, of, of sanctification. Because it's faith. These three abided, these three. Faith, hope, and then what? Charity. After that, that charity is out of a pure heart. And that word for pure heart is virgin heart. Do you see that? Then, but... That faith that has produced charity, there is a quality. They are called, this thing they call unfeigned. Unfeigned is a, is a kind of a coloration, something that you add to that faith. Faith unfeigned is, is a charity that has, is a faith, right, in the most holy place that has taken the a kind of a pigmentation of the most holy faith. Praise God. So, faith out of a pure heart, charity out of a pure heart. Okay. Then you have charity out of a pure heart. 
A, a heart that has charity must now needs to pass from death unto life. But to do that, that charity must manifest in love for the brethren. Love of the brethren. That love of the brethren is called unfeigned love of the brethren, according to First Peter. First Peter chapter one says, "Seeing you have what purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, are you seeing unto what unfeigned love? When you do, then see that you love one another fervently. So are you seeing one another?" Here again, same same thing we saw in what in First John chapter two. So you have purified your soul through in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So you purifying your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you do what. Love one another with what? A pure heart, fervently. So all the qualifications are there. Charity out of a pure heart is there. And of a good word, conscience. And then of faith. So the kind of faith you are using to love. You know, faith is an instrument of love. Right? When you say, oh, I love this way. You know, as a person, ah, you love that way also. What faith do you use for that kind of love? What faith operation are you using? Every time love is in operation, it, it is, is actually operating through an instrument of faith. Do you see that? There's a way the Bible called it faith that worked by love. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it calls it faith that worked by love. Is a rendition. But in our normal today's English, you will call it love that walked by faith. If you want to use our correct English today. Amen. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor what? Uncircumcision. They are telling you this is the principle of validation. Or what all they are describing here is they're showing you the yardstick of measurement. When it comes to anything in Jesus, you want to measure it. Don't look at circumcision or uncircumcision. That's how you measure a Jew in the flesh. Their own credential is in their flesh, their circumcision. When it comes to in Jesus Christ, which is talking about, Jesus is the man, the embodiment of spiritual standards, spiritual things, spiritual reality. Now, when it comes to Jesus, we don't use circumcision to measure. The, the, so the parallel of what circumcision is to a Jew, to a spiritual person, is what we call faith, walking by love. Or it's really love that is walking through faith. You know, they, they mean the same thing. When you say faith that walked by love, it's a faith Faith who's walking is governed by love commandment. Or in other words, a faith that is doing love. That's the that's way to, to explain this. So if a faith is doing love, it means the faith is an instrument of love. 
Do you see that? How do you know which one is the instrument? How do you know which one is the? Is the one is the instrument. One is the end that the instrument is achieved. How do you know which one is which? It's very clear that love is what you want to produce because uh-huh, faith is what you, the instrument that's used. Right? You can think about it in a very, very practical way. Right? When you are loving, you love because of a, a faith code. When you say faith, faith is a giant thing that it has many things on the inside of it. It has curriculum. It has specification. The do's and don'ts of love are, are described in the faith of it. They are ingrained in the faith curriculum. Are you getting what I'm saying? Faith is more than faith. Faith is a part. It's a school. Right? It's a school. It has many things. There's trial in there. There are all kinds of things. To, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. Amen. So faith there is the instrument. When you see when you see a fit instrument in operation, it will be producing love. At the end, take away that faith, you can never produce love. Rather, other things will be present. Another way to explain it is when in when the, the stack of charity is faith first, then hope, then charity. So you see, faith is under charity. It's, the, it's actually the base. The foundation of charity. Right? You see that? When they are describing, when you are describing charity, charity suffereth long and all that. You see, hope at all things, believe at all things. Isn't that believing, hoping? Those are, those are, those are engines. In engines, right? Inside, faith, glory to Jesus, hope at all things, believe at all things. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? So um, the, the parallel of the circumcision is, so when a Jew says, ah, how do you show you are a Jew? I will show you what? My circumcision. That's the proof. For a spiritual person, what do you show? You show a person, it's actually, it's actually a law that it shows. Or is a law that's, that's a product of a faith program. So it means that every love in the spirit, really, if you just look at a love manifesting, you can't really tell what it is. It's hard to tell. But when you look, now you now say, can you show the faith program that is producing this love? In the faith program, you will now see all the curriculum. Everything is inside there. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's clear that you can't teach someone love directly. If you want someone to love, teach them faith. Do Do you see? If you want someone to love, what should you do? Teach them faith. Teach them faith. faith. Amen. Every faith will produce the fruit of love. Do you know that? If you look at the faith of the milk of the world, let's say Daddy Hagen, right? 
if you ask him, what was the fruit of his life? You say, his faith. He taught faith. Yeah, but it's not that he against faith. Those who think that he was all about faith don't really know him. If you want to listen to that to get results, you will, your heart will be, you will be attracted by his, just his raw faith, you know, teachings and principles. You will be attracted to his faith principles to produce results. If, if results is what you are looking for. But if you are attracted to the man, right, what you will learn from him will be different. What you learn from him is his love. You, know, you discover that, that what the faith that was taught to him by Jesus really produced was a love code of life. Do you see that? Do you know that everything that, you know, beyond that Higgins' faith, he wrote books on faith, but to me, his most remarkable books are not about faith. Right? His most, uh, his most, when I say remarkable, I mean books that shifted things, that shifted the plates of Christianity as we know it. Definitions, all those kind of, you get what I'm saying? They're not about faith. They were books of love, actually. Love. Of course, love the way to victory, that's the most obvious one. Do you know that? If you read books like I Believe in Vision, right? Or he gave gifts unto men. Or you, how to, you can be led by the Spirit. Now, you see, are you seeing all those books? Those are books, those are not books of how to, how to confess and get things. Those are not, <laughs> but those are some of his remarkable books. The books that defined things in the body of Christ. Those, those books are love books. They are books where he wrote about not principle of getting things. He wrote about this, the lesser tangible things he learned from the Lord. Do you know that? How to order. Do you know that faith, raw faith, cannot bring order in the church? It will bring confusion. I mean, his own type of that kind of faith, that he against faith. If, let's say, or you just bring people, just teach them the principle, take the word, confess the word, believe it, everything and all that, you can get results. Confession will break out. Results will become, you know, but all kinds of Promotion. Do you see that? But you now see that, that the Higgins eye, he had more of a, a love eye. Where you see that the Higgins in his most sound element is when he's defining how things should be. That is love ministry. Do you see that? How you can smell it is that it talks about the end. It talks about how things should sit. It's not just raw principle. Faith, his teaching of faith are raw principles. You can teach raw principle, results come, but wahala has broken out. That will tell you that faith is not a finished product. Do you see that? Faith is not what? If you learn the faith, you leave the other side. You will take, you, you take it will work, but you won't be able to deal with the problems that that raw faith 
will bring. It's the school, the, it's the fruit of love that sets things in order. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's only love that will t- tell you, after you have had all the success, how should you think about your brethren? How should you react to the body? How should you react to the church? Teaching about authorities in the body of Christ, the gifts of, gifts of, the, of Christ, teaching about those things. <laughs> teaching about the apostolic gifts, all of those things which he taught. And then that love, the way to victory, defining the code of, of love among believers, among brethren. Are you seeing that? Or you think well, that Hagin is the apostle of faith. You say he's the apostle of faith, we agree. Faith of the Son, but really, he's an apostle of love. Do you, are you getting my example? You can see what I just said is very obvious. Once you, just, once you come there, he, you, will, you hear him talk. Love just begins to, do you get what I'm saying? It begins to flow out of him. You hear his stories, his analogy, the way he goes about things, dealing with things. You hear, what, you actually, what comes through actually more is love because that's the fruit which is bearing. Do you see that? That's word of faith. Amen. When you come into faith of the Son, it's the same thing. A lot of people who have caused the biggest problem in this word of righteousness booth are those who only learned. They didn't even learn faith of the Son. Because if you learn faith of the Son, you understand? <laughs> but, but they only learn faith to the extent to which, you know, faith really is, is faith has its revelation end. Uh, do you see that? That's the, the revelation end is the first interface with faith of the Son. That's just the beginning. A lot of people just hit that end and just run away. And they feel like, they, wow, by the time they gush up revelation open, hey, they feel like they fire everything. We don't know that. All you have touched is the part that causes problems. It will be sweet to you, will be flowing everything. But you are, you are taking, if you take that one home alone, just go home with the revelation. You will go home with, by the time that revelation starts generating his own problems, it's even higher than the ones of, you get what I mean? The kind of problem someone who, who learned Mark 11, 24 and all that, that will give you, it's on one level. But someone who has had faith of the Son, Message. You understand what I mean? Ministry of Revelation has opened to them and they start giving problems. The kind of problem that they will give is another, is another word, massive level. So in, even in the faith of sanctification, right, which is what really that First Corinthians 13 is speaking about, right, you can't just, don't just touch the revelation end of it. Praise God, you actually should follow that faith. Follow it to the end. To the end, which is which will now begin to show the fruit. Do you see that? So the proof really that you have you are prosper, prospering with word of righteousness. It's not in your revelations of the faith of the Son, which you have. 
is in the fruit of the message. Are you seeing that? Is in where? Is in the fruit. Anybody who has not borne fruit with the message, you are half baked. Right? You are you are still half baked. Don't ever feel like you are. Amen. You have you have baked. Amen. And do you know that to to push out fruit <laughs> at this level is at a massive kind of because. You know, it's not every plant that bears fruit easily. There are some shrubs that just bear fruit. You know, just in some months, you don't even fulfill the full annual circle. In some months, over some months, you just begin to see, you know, the shrubs a lot of times. Annually, they just bring forth, you know, like wheat, all of those things. But there are some trees, that, some seeds that you plant, those kind of, they call them perennial. Is that what they call I forget what they call them. Those plants that when you plant, you can't, don't forget they do germinate too, but before you eat the fruit, you have to wait for what? Yes. Yes. Do you get that? But sometimes to wait those years, some souls will give up on the way and go. Imagine someone will just take the faith and go and set up ministry somewhere. Yes. You get what I mean? And then there are different issues. Some people begin to judge the message based on the, the faith. Do you get what I'm saying? But, and Jesus said, it's by their fruit, you shall know them. Why don't you wait till the fruit as you, till things have... You understand what I mean? Like our company, we are a young company. Many of us are, are just beginning to conceive fully of the hope of the message of Christ. Some of us are bearing the fruit of charity. Some of us richly. Some of us not that richly. Some of us a little bit. Now, if someone comes into our, our company now, they will see nice things. A lot of times, what they might see is the love toward the saints, like Paul acknowledged to the Ephesian church, which is a, a type of love uh, which everybody should excel at. But to, see, to, to taste the fruit of charity... Do you get, you get what I'm saying? And some foolish guys can come here now and they say... They just begin to point to you. All these things you guys are preaching, you're not doing all of them. I'm not saying any, all these things. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> and so people do that. They say, we are not preaching, you're not seeing everything that you are preaching in all the lives of everybody. And they can begin to point fingers. You forget that this, this seed is not an annual crop. <laughs> But one thing I find with such people is that when it comes to love to all the saints, all of you excel more than all of them. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So the soul is a complex thing. The way they make it bring forth in the spirit is a through a different comp. Now, what about the seed of God? Right? When they begin to cast the seed, the, the divine seed on the heart. And begin to expect the divine. I hope you know you will bear the divine seed. Yes. You're, going to bear the, you're going to bear the divine seed. The seed of the divine nature. Amen. Yes, you're going to bear that seed. Amen. 
Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you see, from there is the point of passing, right? Passing from death unto life. Right? And on, on one side, how you know that you have not passed? Is when you are still alive to the world. Right? So dealing with the world is necessary. And when you have passed over, how do you know you have passed? Is when there appears within you what? The love of what? One for another, or the love of his brother. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. So you can see where the first commandment, right, must the first commandment must end, or the way Jesus put it, the first second, what Jesus called the second commandment, but which is when you are ascending, is the first one. That one must be fulfilled first, right? Then, when that one is fulfilled, then the season to engage the the first and the great commandment begins. Do you see that? So after the, what fulfills the first that, that first commandment calls it the end of the commandment. That word fulfilling. For that first commandment Right, say fulfilling, fulfilling has everything to do with neighbor. If you want to look at it in terms of that, the Old Testament, right? It calls it neighbor, right? Neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. But right. But what he calls neighbor in the Old Testament is some, um, praise God, should then translate into a love for the brethren, what they call brotherhood, in the New World, in the New Testament. Now, we know brotherhood, the reason for you can't have brotherhood without fatherhood. Do you see that? You cannot have what? Brotherhood without what? What makes 
what makes brotherhood is fatherhood. When you say neighbor, there's no father there. Your neighbor doesn't talk about sharing of genes. You don't share genes with your neighbor. Right? But with your brother, you share what? You share genes. Right? So, really, the spiritual life is actually really a preparation for brotherhood. Do you see that? That's really what spirituality is meant for. It's for what? Brotherhood. You must first show the fruit of that brotherhood in a way in Christ. Right? Then once Christ will initially show that fruit, then it will now carry on in the word most holy, most holy place. Right? Every son has brothers. Right? Every son has what? Brothers. Every son has brothers. But every son is in the school of their father. And what they are learning is how to love their father. Do you see that? But you learn to love your father while loving your brother. The love you have for your brother is the basic criteria. Do you see that? That's what you call love of the brethren is the basic criteria of the presence of God. That is what Cain fell below. And God said, once falling below this thing is falling below the presence. Are you seeing that? What Cain and Abel were supposed to be doing is in their brotherly love, they are learning the worship of the Father. You see, that, that was actually what they were supposed to be doing. But when bring, trying to bring worship, the father found that in Cain's own heart, he has injured the basic foundation for the school of fatherhood. Do you see that? And God began to ask him concerning his brother. He said, have my brother's keeper. Ah, once God heard that, no, no. He said, this guy is what? He's gone. Now, when it comes to, once your brother has become manifest to you, you can only do either of two things. You must love him or hate him. There's no other thing you can do. As long as you have become sensitive to who your brother is. What does it mean to be sensitive to your brother? Is when you have received the... Once you have been... They've casted upon you the virginity of heart to discern sonship in the spirit. Are you seeing that? So any, anybody who has received the, the revelation of sonship, you either love it or hate it. If the concept of sonship has not been revealed to you, you are ignorant concerning it. 
All you will be doing is neighborhood Christianity. You understand what I mean? Everything, everything, how you relate is according to what neighborhood. You get that level of some kind of commandment. Are you getting me? Praise Jesus. Right? Why, what, what makes brotherhood powerful? Two, two neighbors are living in different houses. All that the neighbors are, right? They live in different houses. They are doing different things. What, what makes neighbors different is that neighbors have different businesses. This one has his own, that's one has his own business. All they have to do is find a way to live cordially with one another, right? In other words, don't steal from him. Don't covet his wife. Don't, you know, all the things to neighbors. Praise God. But the difference between a neighbor and brothers is that brothers are both about their father's business. So what really makes them brother is more about what they're about. So in the love code between brethren, what you call the love of the brethren, you cannot separate the vocation, right? You can't separate the vocation they are doing from their brotherhood. In other words, you can't separate father, father's business from brotherhood. So when you come into the most holy and you are seeing brethren in the most holy, the brotherhood which they share, it's not just about them. It's actually there's something about, when you see, you see them holding something, but that thing they are holding is about the Father. It's about the Father. It's actually a company in the, in the most, the most, the most holy company is a company of what? Of, of brotherhood. Amen. Amen. So there is, when you, when you think of brotherhood, there is brotherhood, brotherhood that has been introduced to business. There's the brotherhood that has not yet been introduced to the business yet. Do you get what I'm saying? Or a brotherhood which is a, a, a lower business. I want you to say charity. Charity is also among a type of brotherhood. You get what I'm saying? But is it anybody who is in Christ, who are a son of God, Christ is a type of a son. Amen. But is a son who has not yet, right, been. Another example of that kind of person is a type of, is a type of newborn babe. Right? Daddy was teaching this very recently, I think. Is a type of new, when they say, as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word. That sincere milk of the word is not milk of the word. It's talking about there will be a time as newborn babes, freshly. These are fresh babes of the sanctuary. You must now begin to desire a, a new milk. That new milk, right? That what they call the sincere milk of the word is talking about the sincerity of father's business. Is to mature you into consciousness of the father's business. Are you getting what I'm saying? Charity is a sign that 
your, your inward your person can receive that sincere milk of the word. Do you see that? So the sincere milk of the word will produce unfeigned love. Right? Would it produce or faith unfeigned? Because faith unfeigned, end of the commandment, is charity out of a pure heart and of what? Faint want. Of a good conscience and of what? Faith unfeigned. Those qualifications, good conscience, those are grounds which God sees as potential. Praise God. What qualifies a person for the sincere milk of the world is the denial of the world. Right. So you can see the, the you cannot say that the first the purpose of the first commandment is to what make a person deny what the world. You see that? It's to do what? Make you is to make you deny the world. Is to make you deny the world. Amen. Amen. Quickly, round up. See, First John 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father, amen, amen, the Father has done what? Has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The, when he said that we should be called the sons of God, is talking about a type of calling, right? Is it a type of what? A calling, that the calling to become sons of God is the bestowing of a manner of love. Right? The, the calling to do what? Become what? Sons of God is what? Bestowing of a manner of love that will not happen unless the soul has gotten to a point where the world knows you not. Right? Do you see that? Uh, now you see this word, the world knows what you not. It's a very, very, is this actually the real litmus test, really? Do you see that? So how you know if you have, you are ready for the presence of God? See, does the world know me? Do you get that? Do you understand that? Does the world know who? What's the meaning of that? Does the world know me? Huh? Are we friends? But what's really the meaning of that? Does the world know me? Huh? Have the things of the world, yes. What it means that if you explain me, the explanation of me, can you find that in the world? Do you get that? That when you explain this kind of a person, does he does is he present in the world? This and that word is that. Can the world comprehend me? Do you see that? 
Can the world, the world comprehend me? When we say, okay, the things that I am doing, what I'm careful about, I'm arranging my things, my cares, my concerns, my priorities, my living. Can the world understand that kind of a thing? Or will the world be saying, error, 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 error? We don't understand this. Isn't that? Someone at this age, at this status, at this level, with this level of education, with this level of this and that, should, should live a life out of this, part, this particular arrays of lives. That is the kind of life that this kind of person should be living. It's defined in the world. There are many people like you, like that you live that type. But if they can check you and catalog you and know what kind of life you are living, and they can bring maybe a few million other people who according check their passions, check their motivations, check what they are really... And when you're checking, don't check subsidiary. Check top, 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 top of priorities in terms of all the things that they are goals, their visions, the things that they are aspiring to. What is sitting at the hierarchy of their value system of what, not just value, value, but move into the conscious, then, then go into the subconscious, go into the depth of the soul and check the things that are stuck there. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Can you find other types of this kind of a person with this kind of a pursuit? That's what it means. So it means that what should happen to you at some point, you must pass out from the world where your kind of life can no longer be defined in this world. You know, this world doesn't have your type. The prototype of you, the life you are living should no longer be found. Such a person, the Father, bestow a manner of love. Do you get that? You bestow. Now, one bestow a manner is John 14. If a man love me, right, he will keep my word. He said, My father will love him. That's this bestowing of love. Then we will then start coming to do the process of making our abode with such a person. Do you see that? Glory to Jesus. Amen. So you are seeing 2, verse 2. Beloved, now, so there is a kind of a son of God in the now. There is a son of God of now. Right? So he's explaining to you, when he's saying son of God, he's trying to tell you what kind of son are we talking about. There is, first of all, the son of now. Now are we the son of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. There is that which we shall be. There is what we are now. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall do what? Be like him. For we shall what? See him. As he is. Now, every man that had this hope purified himself, even as what? He is pure. So, this is talking about that place of transition from 
the first, it might be the first type of son without the business, right? Who hasn't received the business, but who is a candidate for the business? He's a, he's a type of son in the now, right? What kind of, when you say now is a spiritual code, now abide it. Faith, hope, and charity. That's a now. Now means Christ. Right? So now season. There's a son of God. Now. But that son has what he shall be. But what he shall be is tied to an appearance. It's like the, the, what the virgin shall be. Right? It's tied to an appearance. It's clear that that bridegroom who is coming is bringing, is coming to bestow a love. There is actually a love call. Right? There's a time when they will say the father, when, every time the father calls, he calls you by love. Right? It's, it's, it's a love calling. Right? I told you, everything about the father's realm is love. All they do there is love. It's before him in love. For you to come before him in love, he must call you with the love. He bestow that love upon you. It's the, the reason for bestowing the love is that you should become what the son of God, the sons, the sons of God. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So there is that love, that love calling. So if they say that your calling is love, Right. It means that anybody who fulfilled that calling must have become a lover. Right? You must have become what? You must have become a lover. The soul must have gained capacity for love. Right? That's why, that's why you must do well to come into charity out of a what? Pure heart. What, what is the meaning of coming to charity out of pure heart? You hear that? Had this hope. Are you seeing that? He that has this hope purified him. So, even as he, even as he that is appearing is pure. They would jam in some kind of pure state. Do you know that purity commends love? There's a, there's a, what do you call the love that purity comes? What, what the purity that commends love is the purity of a virgin soul. It's the virginity of the soul. It's a, what calls the bridegroom, right, is the virginity, right, of the soul. That is a kind of purity. Charity is a virginity in the spirit. So you must do everything to attain charity, right? When you fall into charity life, that's the, charity is a disappearing act. It's the initiation of a disappearing act. What, what disappearing act is that? How to pass out away from, from the world. Once you begin to do charity, you're, you're, you're going. In fact, once you begin to do charity, you begin to see yourself going. You, you just be seeing it. When you're going, people will be calling you. Your family, your parents, your friends, your, your guys, your everything, your profession, everything in the, the natural construct, we're trying to call you. Don't leave us. Don't disappear. Don't go. Your old self will be calling you. Don't go. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Once you're doing charity, charity is an awesome thing. 
is a, is a launching pad into a love call. If you are to, once you pass through the door that charity will open to you, you have passed into love realm. It's called love world. They now begin to frame you and solidify you as a lover. The school of love. Yes, 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 yes. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord will help us. Father, we thank you. <coughs> Lord, I pray that you impart strength to, to every heart. Thank you. The, the strength, the grace to fulfill commandments. You know. All love. Every commandment has its apex of love. The first one, the second one, which is like unto the first, which are expressions of love, fruit of love, which the soul, our soul ought to bear. Father, I pray that you will help us to, to take the cause, to take the call, to take the challenge in the spirit, Lord, till we arrive, arrive in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Meshari Avahasu. Mr. Paralakadiose, friend to Venai. Emile Kona, friend to see Evrahados. Emena Otta Aflano. Elimin Ool Alfras. Lemika Elito, Malisto. Masuria, Tamasona. Emilo Koden, Eldion, Vedon Aitan, Otalama Hota, Makoste, Leticia, no Retuvia, no Ronde Vienot, Emino Corona, Tamala Cano, a castle to the Sansuvahano, a Feladona Parasovano, Opratosian, a Crendus, the Malika Ayen, a Letonia, Alturan, a Sotelen, Ezado Sereno Siano, and Renaf Etaben, a leader sent to Enemeka Ametuko, Medecamo, Ekemen Otte, Etamahata, and Nosta C. Elishu, Nestem Oria, Tasureka, Erenotia, Lelefender, Alebreno, or an Estediano, men all hotter at Atta Fenham. Falanata, Medica, Ezole Castle, as an Ornia to Anita Alitionse, Emerenoha, Sata Ereba, Super, Neto Briasu, Emenate, Tefente, Defeta Gefeta, Kevinak of Ataki, Emi Morietas, Olika, I handle, Ehanos, Anidos, Allenhos, Ellenhos. Elena Hot, Ebrante, Celebra de Kio, Eprofeni, O Setele Marinota, Elena Arastas, Astun, Esa Cotena, Cadon, Tacalando Cote, Caletica, Tecaleno, Ecretecalen, Tecaleno, Tecale, Tecalinosti, Lenentus, O Tas Atresu, Nefendai Hartas, O Tecris, O Teli Ambra Tamala Malamano Prata Paralamata Paramata Porno 
Oh, men att jag känner 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 and in Mikorato, Amito Corrado, Amito Crenza. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. You know, love is love is commitment. Love is some type of love is actually a type of covenant, a type. Every love is a type of covenant, is a type of commitment. Love just means something that's coming from your heart. Love means a commitment of your heart. Right? When you are learning faith, faith will start from your mind, it's, it's journeying, traveling, traveling. But once your heart starts getting committed, it means you've started touching love. Right? Love means commitment of your heart. Amen. The commitment of Christ is a commitment which the spiritual man has. The commitment is the commitment not to touch the unclean thing. Is it? That's how they check your love, the love in your heart. And to see that that unclean thing has to be revealed through by revelation. It's talking about touching the unclean thing means not receiving the to the. Not receiving the, the suggestion of sins that comes from the nature of sin. Right? Not, you just see, and that constant temptation over there, right? Christ's love sits in the heart with, a, with constant temptation. That's, it will showing you, an unclean, can I just show you an unclean thing? But with the spiritual, either the spiritual judges all things. When you are judging, you are saying, ah, this thing is actually unclean. But it takes a love, a commitment in the heart not to touch that which is unclean. Are you seeing that? And that's what the Lord needs to birth in us. Once you begin to take that attitude, you are, you're just, you're gearing up for something. You're gearing up for something. You're gearing, very soon, if you continue with such an attitude, what will happen to you? One day you find yourself that the presence of God, you find another concept of commitment begin to come that has to do with the dealing with that, that constancy of temptation called sin, that thing. There'll be a time when you would talk, when you have, uh, Christ's life has made you virgin for a, for a while. Virgin means you're not touching, that you touched. You're not spotted the world. You're not touched by the world. Once you're able to stay in that state of commitment for some time, are you get what I'm saying? You will know what's happening to you. That's how you actually gain abundance. Abundantly. You are gearing up for an abundant entrance. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Before you know it, what will happen, you stop, you stop being, the consciousness of sins go away. Actually, consciousness of sins will go away. How you know that you're getting ready to enter into the presence is that your soul stops being conscious of sins. You start being conscious of sin. 
Seen. You start seeing. Seen. What is seen? Tendency of variableness. Shadow of tongue. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? You, it's not easy to, to see that as, a, as an enemy and hold it only, unless you have spent time in what? Denying the world and sitting in that world, staying in that state of what? Resolve against the unclean thing. The Lord will help us. Father, we thank you for your word. Thanks for, for help and for all these things that have been said, I pray. Lord, I pray your spirit will, will breathe upon them. I ask that let the grace to leave them out rest upon every heart. Thank you for the blessing of this time, of this season. I pray it will elude everyone. There's something about deliverance from, from sin and its children. I pray that in every heart we will come into this blessing of this season. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. God bless you.